0: What would you do if you were born into a world which didn't want you? A world which saw you as unworthy from the time you were born? What if this continued throughout your early life? Would you resent those who resented you? Would you become bitter? Where would your life take you? Where would you belong? It's the life of a cork woman which answers these questions for us. This is her story. In 1697, on the wild, unapologetic and unforgiving spit of land, which rudely interrupts into the great Atlantic Ocean, known as the old head of Kinsale, on the high cliffs in a storm, which saw the land battle with the sea for its existence, a child is born. Her name was Anne McCormack. As Anne was brought into the world, she was introduced to a world which did not want her. Anne was the daughter of a wealthy lawyer, William McCormack. Normally, this would mean she would have been born into wealth, the upper classes, and entitled some of the best riches in Ireland. But this was not the case for Anne. Anne's mother Mary was a kitchen servant of William's who he had taken a liking for. Being illegitimate, Anne's early years were spent in the shadows of society. Her name dared not to be spoken for fear it would damage his reputation. Some years passed with Anne, the secret of conceal, going unnoticed by much of society. That was until word of William's infidelity and his hidden child were brought to his wife. In a furious anger, she threw him out of their home and spread the word of his inability to remain monogamous. The upper classes shunned him, not necessarily for his infidelity, but his lack of care in impregnating a peasant girl. Word spread of his carelessness And this soon began to impact his business overnight he lost the majority of his clients with nowhere else to go he moved in with anne's mother after a few weeks living in squalor william decided he was not going to live as a pig in a sty and ordered mary to pack her belongings and he took her with him to london in his mind's narrative if the two came with him he could pretend they were not of the lower classes and having what looked like a stable family would ultimately be good for business. In order to continue to disguise her, William cut Anne's hair, dressed her as a boy and began calling her Andy. In order to set her on her path to his level of society, he began training her as a lawyer's clerk. Things did not go as William had planned in London. Work was scarce and he had no real contacts in which he could launch his business from. He found an anti-Irish sentiment in the city, which made it even harder for him to gain work. As a result, he changed his accent and removed the muck from his name, only now going as William Cormuck. In the streets of London, Anne watched as the other children played and begged her father to let her join them. He firmly forbid her, as if she was to play, she would be discovered as a girl and his secrets would be revealed. In an act of rebellion, Anne decided enough was enough and at the age of about 10, she marched out to the children in the street and revealed who she was. This ruined any hope William had of beginning a new life in London. A few days later, William once again ordered Mary to pack her belongings and the three left London on a ship headed for Charlestown, South Carolina. Initially the change was difficult for the family, but after some time they settled in. Mary found a small Irish community where she could speak her language. William found a society of people starting again, and Anne lived as a girl, away from the darkness of secrecy. The new world brought them each a new release of life, and a release of the sins of Anne's daughter. The happiness lasted only a year or two however, as Anne's dear mother Mary was taken from them as a result of a typhoid outbreak in their new community. Her death sent Anne into an almighty furious rage. Her hate for her father as a result of her early years in life was much more fruitful than the hate an average rebellious teenager might have. She regularly got in fights with the local children and at the age of 13 she settled an argument with a servant girl by piercing her in the stomach with the sharp end of a knife. This of course again affected her father's business. How could a lawyer be trusted when he was incapable of mannering his own daughter? William decided to wed her off as it may calm her down and lessen his association with her. When the marriage was agreed, in a further act of defiance, Anne entered a local tavern and announced she would sleep with the first man who took her fancy. But he was to follow orders. She was no ordinary woman. This was not the only occasion that Anne did this. She was a woman of agency, self-power, desire and commitment to being herself. The man who was due to marry her heard of this and cancelled their plans. Now furious, William disowned Anne. What enraged him even more was Anne took this as a licence to be free rather than punishment. In 1718, whilst living life on her own terms, Anne met a poor sailor named James Bonney. James told Anne of a land he had been to, a land today known as the Bahamas. Together they hitched a lift off a ship and set off an adventure. As the ship left its dock, Anne for the first time in her life felt an internal liberation she felt her soul open to the sea and embraced the force of the waves which guided her to her new life a life where she could be reborn as Anne the Anne she wanted to be Anne and James married out of giddiness of life and it carried them through their early courtship Anne began life working in taverns on the docks and anywhere else she could gain some coin to pay for her new life James on the other hand found employment working for the governor of the island. His role was to discover pirates and hand them over to authorities. He did this by hanging around in the taverns and pretending to be someone they could trust. Due to the vast numbers of pirates on the island, it became known as the Republic of Pirates. Anne did not approve of this work. She saw the pirates as people like her, people who had left the world to become free. The pirates had become friends of hers through work. When she discovered that James is looking for the pirate known as Blackbeard, the marriage effectively ended. It officially ended when James discovered Anne in the arms of John Calico, Jack Rackman, in a hammock. Anne left James to join John's new crew of pirates. Before she could join, she was required to prove she had what it takes to be a pirate. She took the limbs off a mannequin, stuffed them into torn clothes and smeared pig's blood all over them when a French crew came across the fake body in the docks and went to investigate. They found themselves cornered by the axe-wielding Anne who demanded their cargo in exchange for their lives. Over the next few years, the red-headed Anne became a fierce sight in the front of John's ship. With a crew of twelve, they became a tremendous threat to the ships along the coasts of Jamaica. Legends spread of the ship, and the red-headed woman on it. The sight of her hair sent fear into the hearts of all. She was known to show no mercy, and to have a particular liking for torture should she discover anyone in her father's profession aboard the ships. The ship then became even more famous when a second woman joined them, a woman called Mary Reed. Mary joined the crew, as Anne had attacked a ship she was on, and on the ship, Mary was dressed as a man, trying to disguise herself. When Anne approached kill killer, Mary pleaded and explained she was a woman, forced to dress as a man for safety. The note that struck with Anne was profound, and not only did it spare Mary's life, Anne also kept her safe from harm. Mary joined their crew, and together they became known as the most ferocious women in the Americas. Anne became pregnant with John's child and gave birth to a son, Anne Cuba, who remained with them. After years at sea, the governor placed a bounty on Anne's head, such as her liking of getting those who were in the law. Her name and legend exploded into the world and she was listed among America's most wanted in the Boston Newsletter. Captain Jonathan Barnett was hired by the Governor to find and capture Anne. On November 15th, 1720. Anne's ship spotted a merchant vessel paused off the coast of Jamaica they slowly approached and saw a handful of men fishing off the back of the ship the sails went up and a tremendous wind launched Anne's ship into full speed for a raid as she approached with her red hair flying free in the wind she watched as the fishermen stood up and she felt the fear in their hearts her boat crashed into theirs and seeing from the front of her ship, she shouted, hand over your loot and I may consider mercy. It was at this point, Anne heard the shout, it's her, she's bloody here. The Captain Barnett and his well-trained soldiers exploded onto deck from all angles and captured the entire crew. Anne fought for as long as she could executing all who came within a sore's length of her. They were overpowered after hours of fighting, and all the pirates who remained breathing were captured. John and all the male members of the crew were trialled and hung without pause for breath. It was about two weeks later when the women stood trial. They too were found guilty and sentenced to hang. They pleaded that they were pregnant and were temporarily spared. For Mary, a few months later, as she gave birth in a prison, she was not entitled to any assistance and both her and the child died in a haze of screaming in a cold, damp cell. Their death was watched on by helpless pirates in the other cells who were awaiting their own liberation of death. As for Anne, there are two versions of what happened next. There are official records of her death in both Jamaica in 1733 and in Carolina in 1782. Nobody is fully certain which is true. Her record of death in Jamaica is of natural causes, possibly infection after eating poorly treated food or undrinkable water. In Carolina, she is recorded as having married and mothering eight more children with a man called Joseph Burleigh. It isn't too difficult to imagine that both of these stories are true. Knowing Anne as we now do, it is entirely possible the authorities of Jamaica thought that they buried Anne. It is entirely possible that they buried who they thought was her after Anne caused the death of someone with similar physical attributes to her. It's not impossible that as they buried who they thought was Anne, she was making her way across the sea to Carolina. Today's music was written, produced and performed by Rhino Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by myself, Oren. If you want to help support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash we the Irish, or leave us a review on your podcast app. Oren a dum. It's Loneliness.